to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Um, today, today there is a question I want us to answer, which I think is very important for every Christian and for everyone in general. I would advise our colleagues who handle any of our foundational classes, the salvation course, and just any of those primary classes to ensure that they have the recording of what I will teach today and ensure that it's spread across because everyone needs this. The question today and let me start with a little story. Okay? I want you to picture this for a moment. I want you to picture... (laughs) I don't know whether to say this, but this will sound funny. I want you to picture for a moment the, the worst sinner in the world. Now, I know we all go around saying, hey, no two sins, all all sins are the same, there's nothing bigger than others, but deep down we don't believe that. (laughs) I can give you reasons why I think we don't believe that. Deep down we don't believe that. That's why um, you can hear that there's a court sentencing and somebody can be given five years, and you say, only? Why have they only been given five years? Meaning, deep down, you don't believe all sins are the same. That's why we judge different levels. But it's not for purposes of that. I just want us to imagine for a moment. Let's say there was a record of somebody who's the worst sinner in the world. Apart from that, They've got the worst attitude in the world. They have the worst ever temper. They've broken the most hearts ever. 
one has ever lied like they have lied. As in, when it comes to lying, they are professional. They They, they go to orphanages and steal their food. And then afterwards, they also steal from funerals. <laughs> now, I want you to imagine that. Like that's, now, imagine it in all sorts of ways. Then, that person sends you a message immediately after this service. And they say, hi, I want to be a Christian like you. I want to be born again. Furthermore, they go on to say that, and after being born again, I would like you to be my mentor. And I want you to, to mentor and disciple me to become the best person I can be. And they fully tell you their story. You even discover it's worse than you thought in the first place. <laughs> You're following, right? Okay. My question is, number one, what would you respond to that person? Number two, what would be your discipleship plan for that person? Discuss with your neighbor. What do you respond to that person? <laughs> Leaders, look around. If there is someone not being discussed with, follow them to go and discuss. Leaders, you don't discuss with each other. You look around for somebody who's... Wonderful. Okay. Okay. That's scenario number one. Number two. Number two. Let's imagine there's a person who always answers the autocall for salvation with all their hearts. They even cry. There is no otako in which they are not the first person. They are very good. I don't want to use the word repenting because repentance is a whole deeper meaning. They are very good at being sorry to God. And then afterwards, every week, every sermon, if it has to do with dealing with the concept of sin, it's their sermon. If today we are preaching on a certain area and we say those who are having challenges in this area... Come to the, they'll be the first one in the front. Same the next week, same the next week. They've given their lives to Christ at every meeting. Wem, Dominion Conference. 
we all have their numbers. Household of Faith, Life Free Church, every church has, when we're presenting the records of those who've led to Christ this year, every church has them on record. Then the person comes to you and says, I need you to disciple me. I'm a Christian, but I fall every week. What would you answer? Discuss with your neighbor. What would be your... understand soon where I'm taking us. One final one. I want you to imagine here is a believer. They speak in tongues. Sometimes they speak in tongues in capital letters. They prophesy. They cast out devils. But then let's use two instances. You've just met two of them. One of them, their challenge is they just can't stay away from sleeping with someone. They just can't stay away. If they, if they are angry, their result of that emotion is to sleep with someone. If they are happy, their result of that, and, is, and this is like outside marriage, and they believe that's their weakness. So God understands. Then there's another one whom they are okay. But if anything upsets them, if they bump into something, the language that will come out of their mouth. And then the challenge they have is that they bump into things every day. <laughs> How would you advise them? Go ahead. <laughs> By the way, for purposes of today's records, all these parts are necessary for the sermon. All these parts are necessary. You are Bright and morning star, you are the lion and the lamb, you are my Lord. Wonderful. Now, ladies and gentlemen, my question to you is as follows. Do you really believe what you preach? 
do you believe the gospel? And if so, to what extent? Can a person really change? Can repentance really happen? Is it actually possible? Do we believe that? If so, the question becomes how? Let's look at the scriptures. Now, today's sermon is very interesting. It's entitled... Is repentance truly possible? I'm sure you know the answer to that. But that's what we're talking about today. Let us look at Hebrews chapter 6 and let us look at verse 1 up to somewhere 3, 4. I just want us to understand something. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. So what I'm teaching today may be relevant. Actually, I believe it's relevant to all of us because you may find there's an area that we need to improve. There is a place where it may be repentance from dead works. Then there is a place where it may be in the context of improving, being a better Christian than you already are. But then, continuing from that, all of us, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, have to be ready to take people under our wing. We all have to be ready to disciple people. We have to be ready to build people. Now, one thing that many of us may not realize is that wickedness has increased. And Satan doesn't mind the extent to which he gets people wicked. He doesn't mind the extent to which he exposes people to the syllabus of the world. And if we don't learn how Firstly, if anyone is struggling, how to deal with it. And then secondly, how to help others. Then we'll just be enjoying each other's company just like this and life goes on. So I want us to understand a few things. Do we have Hebrews 6? Let's read from verse 1. Okay, so this is what the Bible says. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will do if God permits now, I want us to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. Our Lord Jesus demands perfection. Let me, let me put it like this. There's a very, there's an interesting notion. There's a concept that we should not strive after, perception, after perfection. There's a concept that we are just okay since he already loves us. And yet, if you study the scriptures, perfection first is talking about maturity. And maturity can reach a place of faultlessness, where a person makes minimal faults. 
I don't know if you're getting my point. It's like a car. There's a difference between driving a car that's fully serviced and the one which the moment you turn it on, you can even tell, E, can it even reach there? So there's a place where a person can be serviced to a place where they make very few faults, very few errors. And that's something that God wants us to go to. That's something that he wants us to grow into. But then there are certain foundations that must be dealt with before we can even start thinking of that. And the first foundation that's mentioned is repentance from dead works. Now let me put it like this, ladies and gentlemen. If repentance is not there, then we don't have Christianity. When John the Baptist started preaching, the first sermon he preached, and the only sermon he preached, was repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came, his first sermon, according to Matthew, he went about saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning, if this aspect of repentance was not secured, people would miss the kingdom of heaven. It's an aspect that is very necessary. What do I mean? What I mean to say is this. Um, sometimes this is a mentality we have as Christians. Let me just show it to you. Sometimes we forget it's a battle. Uh, Cassandra, come. Let's imagine um, I've met a person that I want to lead to Christ. And he's compromising all. I wouldn't even call it compromising because if a person is not born again, it's just their nature. He's doing everything else in the syllabus. And I come, I share the gospel with him. He starts shedding tears because the gospel really touches him. And then when I'm done, I tell him, okay, now, um, I don't mention anything about a godly life. I just say, okay, you know what? God loves you, so just spend the rest of your life listening to reckless love. You'll be fine. Nothing wrong with the song. I'm just... And I, I then give him a hug. God loves you, bro. The next time I meet him, and let's say I, 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 I pass through his room, and I find that day, he's still doing worldly stuff. Still believes my gospel, but still doing all sorts of things. I say, you know what? God loves you. You may be drinking this, but God loves you, bro. <laughs> Here's a new song for you to listen to this week. The next week I do the same thing. The next week I do the same thing. You can take a seat. What, what, what then are we doing? That's an incomplete message. There is a place, there is a place where be after we lead them to Christ, Consider that as a baby born. You st we start training people up in the way they should walk. And that can't happen without repentance from dead works. There's a place where you say, okay, look, I'll be very honest with you. This life is wrong. This one, two, three has to come to an end. Or else we'll have many people coming for altar calls and the like. And you'll be shocked to find a number of them not in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, this gospel changes people's lives. 
But then, as believers, we've actually been given the mandate to train them into that. I remember there's a room <laughs> Pastor Daniel and I went to, who are not pastors by then. I think they were in third year. We're in first year. We preached the gospel the way it is. We preached the gospel, shared the good news. Afterwards, they asked, do you want to give your life to Christ? They said, yes. They went down on their knees and surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus. We said, okay, what's been the challenge for you to be consistent in the faith? They said, alcohol. They said, okay, is there some in the fridge? They said, yes. They said, bring it. Threw it. I'm not even joking. <laughs> now, I'm not saying go open every fridge in the house. The difference is, those people, no, no, those people said they had surrendered to the Lord Jesus. So, they had to follow his lordship. I'm not even, we, we actually spelt it together. <laughs> there was another time, I had a very crazy experience. I'll get, I'll get the scripture shortly. I had a crazy experience. We're having an overnight. I think the likes of Dan and the like would remember because we were there. We're having an overnight on a Friday. Then on a Thursday, I had just finished writing Jesus the Healer, the e-book, before the original. And so I think I posted a review. No, it, I, I didn't finish it. I posted a review of it on Thursday night. Then I got a comment on my status. And the comment said, this is at night, like, ah, I want to do godly things. As I'm typing this, I'm drunk. I said, this one. By the next day, we had sourced the number. <laughs> and I called, I said, it's me. Oh, sorry about that. I deleted in the morning when I sobered up. I said, can I come see you? person said yes. So we went there. I didn't go alone because I think certain trips shouldn't be taken alone. Bible says he sent them two by two. Maybe there was wisdom in that. So I didn't go alone. And I went with a group of people and we sat and the person began pouring out and they had lived a very sinful life. Like it was bad. By the time we were done, led them to Christ, shared with them how they now had forgiveness of all their sins. I remember when I said, you have forgiveness of all your sins, the person was in shock. So notice, I'm not saying that forgiveness comes after a person stops. What I'm saying is, after you say, I do not condemn you, there has to be a go and sin no more. That was the order of Jesus, right? Immediately afterwards, she was shifting the next day. She turns and says, you know what? I need to do something. And she goes and like opens her suitcase, removes all the skimpy clothes that she used to use for funny things. Removed them, put them in a bag, gave us to throw away. And then went and took away all the jewelry and all the expensive stuff which I wanted to sell, which had been received. <laughs> as in I was tempted that day. <laughs> all the jewelry and I was thinking, I can finance a conference. Like, all that stuff which had been gotten from um, prodigal living and said, throw it away. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> 
started calculating that my brain is straight. <laughs> what am I trying to say? The repentance which was secured involved a change in lifestyle. Praise God. So the question is, can a person really change? Let's look at Titus, chapter 2. From the day I read this portion of scripture, my mindset changed. Titus chapter 2. So if you're listening to me right now, and perhaps your life hasn't been in order, perhaps you may be listening to me right now, and there are certain aspects of your life that need to change. You're in the right place. And you're listening to the right man of God right now. Praise God. On the other hand, everyone in this place is being empowered. Empowered to stand and not fall. And also empowered to help others. Praise God. Because the kind of cases you're going to start receiving from today are crazy cases. Praise God. Someone should change their prayer point. Someone right now should go pray, Lord, I want the worst sinners, the ones who no one wants. Those are the ones I want to disciple. Those are the ones I want to mentor. Give them to me. Hey. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Titus 2. Now, I want us to look at verse number... Um, Verse number 11. Huh? Now, many of us have been introduced to grace in the context of forgiveness of sin and unmerited favor. But I want us to see this aspect of grace. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This grace has appeared to you. This grace has appeared to me. This grace has appeared to Peter. This grace appeared to Saul. This grace appeared to Simon the sorcerer. The grace which brings salvation has appeared to all men. Next verse. Teaching us This part is not favoring us. This part is now teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Let's look at it from this amplified, verse 11. Hey! We can live proper lives. Let's look at it again. For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward, appeared for the deliverance from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. Go on. It has trained us. It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness irreligion, and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world. The grace of God appears and it trains us, it teaches us 
Somebody may be saying, Pastor, you don't know the temptations of this period of time. Let me show you how grace works. Romans chapter 6. Pastor, these are not the 70s. <laughs> Romans chapter 6. Pastor, you don't know university life. What makes you think so? <laughs> Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, there is a principle we learn here. One principle we learn here is that the more sin, the more grace. The more sin, the more grace. So in case you are saying that, Pastor, these are not the 70s, then if things have worsened now, then it means there is, no, there is more grace to live even more godly now than there was then. That's the way grace works. I always tell you how I was told that when I go to university, I would change. And that the, the specific words I was given, I, these are the exact words I was given. I was told I would meet girls who bath and my life would change and I would be a different person. Guys, I improved. University. If there's a period where my principles were strengthened, it was actually university period. That, if there's a period I remember of strengthening of principles, that was a period. Ladies and gentlemen, the first thing we must realize is the grace is sufficient. Go back to Titus, and maybe we can make it a declaration. Titus 2.11, I want you to say, I have received grace, have received grace for, my salvation. for my salvation. Next verse. And I want you to continue to say, this grace, this grace trains, me. trains me. It teaches me. To revoke, to renounce, to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. And through this grace, I live a sober, self-controlled, upright, righteous, godly life in this present age. Amen. God. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize that this aspect, if it's not worked on, it's very possible to work on one side of things, but you've not worked on this. Let me show you how we can tell. There's a portion of scripture I just want us to see. Somebody say Glory. Say it again. Glory. So by the time I'm done with this sermon, some relationships may have to end. Lord, if anyone here is in the wrong relationship, supernatural breakups. It is better to go to heaven with a breakup than to go to hell very romantic. (laughs) 
by the time we're done today, some of us may need to rethink how we celebrate our birthdays. Because some of us are fine until our birthday. <laughs> we're fine until that day. I don't know whether some people think like a birthday is like an excuse to wear the skimpiest thing they've ever worn and because they want to accommodate all friends, they have to meet from a nightclub. I don't know why people think that. I literally received the call and saying, no, pastor, I had made a decision. I was going to live a right life, but it's just that this was my birthday. Praise God. Some of us may have to start rethinking how we do Valentine's and, and, and stuff like that. And the grace of God has appeared. Teaching us. And this grace even teaches my dear sisters that they can dress well on their graduation day. Praise God. This grace has appeared. And it teaches my dear brothers to stop playing games. <laughs> Talking to 44 women at the same time. What's your problem? No, on a serious note, dear brethren, I beseech you therefore, by the mercies of God, if you know you've got no proper plans in her life, leave that poor girl alone. Are you hearing me? Leave her alone. Treat her the way you would want your sister to be treated. Amen. Hello, should I hear? just joining the church. Me, <laughs> let me just, for those who may not know me a bit well, number one, there is a reason we ask all of you to send me your numbers. <laughs> and to save mine. I like to know what you're posting. It shows me what's on your mind. And as some of you may have noticed, I respond. <laughs> There is a famous ear. <laughs> there is an ear. <laughs> you know, there is someone who had like left the church, so we hadn't talked in a while. Then I have forgotten what I was talking to them about, and they were explaining something, so I put an ear. They responded, oh my God, I missed this ear. <laughs> okay, let's continue. What was I talking about? I was just mentioning something. I wanted to show you from Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Matthew 7, verse 22. It says, Many will say to me in that day, Okay, let's do this. Let's, start, let's give it context. Let's start from verse 15. Start from verse 15. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Uh -huh. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
Ladies and gentlemen, these are the words of our Lord Jesus. That as a good tree, you ought to bear good fruit. What this scripture is saying is that if anyone in this place, now of course we are all growing, I'm still growing, but then there's a difference between growing and just outrightly doing the wrong things. But what this portion of scripture is saying, and I say it with all, um, I say it with all humility and boldness, but it's saying that if anyone in this place, let's say if anyone here is to receive a funny message from me, a lady here was to receive a funny message from me, they should leave. Because it means they've got every right to see me as a false prophet. Because the fruits I'm showing are of a bad tree. And it means they've got the right to be concerned if I ever lay hands on them. My leaders. Do not then be the one who misrepresents me. That's why it's better. I'm not saying I can't help a person who's had a challenge, but the aim should be to get them back to be on the right track. Let's continue. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. That's why we don't have very high expectations when people are not born again. But when they are, we have very high expectations. And when those expectations are not met, that's why we rebuke, we correct, and our aim is to restore. Don't you think we need to start going back to analyzing such scriptures? You know why I say so? I've come to realize that if you've studied, especially some of the earlier sermons I did, which are on the podcast channel, that even truths are in levels. There are certain things which are for the seniors. One of the things that helped me is that I decided to go for the scriptures that demanded the most out of me. Let me tell you what I mean. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. Let's go. Next verse. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's the Lord Jesus. You can interpret it your own way. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> it's interesting that when Jesus came, the Bible didn't say grace came. It says grace and truth. So, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Next verse. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now that's scary because it means if there's a person who knows how they live and they, they truly don't want to change, but they feel as long as they can always just be coming for altar calls, somehow at least they are securing a spot in heaven. Perhaps they are saying, Lord, Lord. Next verse. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Uh-huh. And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There are many of us who believe that scripture is talking about people who are maybe in the occult or diviners and stuff like that. I believe it's, that if you read the context, it's talking about Christians. If that portion of scripture is not talking about world, about diviners or people who are using another source. What that means is that because spirituals or spiritual gifts 
but in the context spirituals have got laws by which they work by. You can train yourself to be good at spirituals and yet you yourself, God doesn't know you. So you can, a person can actually be speaking in tongues, they can be prophesying, they can legitimately cast out devils, but then that falls under the category of spirituals and may not necessarily be the complete definition of the character of a Christian. And the thing is, in the long run, if it doesn't catch up with you on earth, it catches up with you in heaven. Because the last thing you'd want, ladies and gentlemen, is you're walking in with like this huge amount of people you mentored, and then you are told, no, you stop. Then everyone else enters, you, I didn't know you. And they're all like, oh! Ladies and gentlemen, we have to take this thing seriously. It's not, a, it's not a topic to, to take lightly. Now, I was, I was telling you guys what worked for me and still works for me. Is that one of the things that worked, and I'm really just sharing with you my life before I even go to point number one, number two, number three. One of the things that worked is to try my best to hold myself by the highest standards possible. The challenge with that is that it leads to a lot of moments of reflection because higher standards <laughs> means that almost every day for what other people might see as nothing, you, you might be bothered. But I noticed that's what worked. So for example, I've, I wouldn't sit and say, oh, a righteous man falls seven times, but surely a righteous man in four, seven times, but you rise up. I would mainly meditate on that in the context of restoring others. But for myself, that's not what I would meditate on. I've had moments of challenge, yes, and I've reminded myself. But for myself, one thing I've meditated on is the scriptures that call you to a place of perfection. And that's where there is the aspect of rightly dividing the word of truth. Let me show you an example. In the same book, 1 John 1, verse 8. In the same book, I just want us to see something, even with how we study the scriptures. Notice. If we say that we have no sin, maybe it's from verse 7. Same book. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh -huh. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh -huh. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Next verse. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Go back to verse 8. I want you to observe the process. And from the process, you'll be able to see his audience. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Next verse. If we confess our sins. So this person has now gone from a process they knew they had sinned. Then what have they done? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to not just forgive us, but cleanse us from unrighteousness. So the unrighteousness problem becomes 
is dealt with. Then it then goes on to say, if we say we have not sinned, it doesn't say if we say, notice how sin is now in past tense. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. None of us saved ourselves. Now, that's in chapter 1. Let's look at how chapter 2 starts. Verse 1. I want you to see how he was graduating it. My little children, these things I write to you that so that you should not sin. <laughs> no, are you, is, no I, don't, I hope I'm not going too deep here. Is anyone seeing the graduation? He starts by showing how hey, all of us come to the cross at a place where we all recognize that we're sinners. And then we confess. And then we are not just forgiven, we are cleansed from unrighteousness. But no one can walk about in self-righteousness because none of us can claim that we saved ourselves. Then the next chapter it starts by telling us, actually the reason I've written these things to you is such you do not sin. But it ain't in there. And then it says, and if, because there is the ifs of scripture, right? It says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So meaning, if you've had challenges, there is still room for you. The room is room for repentance, not room to continue doing that, but room for repentance. It doesn't end there. Let's go to chapter 3. You're following the argument, right? Chapter 3. Chapter 3 now he just says, okay, now I've finished writing to the children. <laughs> chapter, no, look at what he tells them in chapter 3. Look at verse 5. Actually, verse 7. Okay, let's start from 5. Now, chapter 3, he goes, and you, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Verse 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Take note, I didn't write this. <laughs> you know, there are certain things which if a person has not read the Bible and they are to hear me teach, and maybe they are just hearing the teaching, they can say, see these legalistic people. Next verse. Little children, let no one deceives you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So if you, if you go about thinking that it's not possible for a person to be righteous, or if you go about thinking that everyone who's living right is just pretending there's something they do in secret, according to the scriptures, you're deceived. Because that's, that's what he says. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. So it means you're deceived. Then what does he go on to say? He who sins is of the devil. I did not write this. For the devil has, been sin has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, for this cause, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What's the first one he destroys? Sin. Verse 9. He that is born of God 
does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. I, it says does not and then says cannot. Does not means the opportunity is there. Okay, I, I won't do it. Cannot means a dog can't meow. <laughs> Next verse. Verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil, so Satan has children, are manifest. Make sure you're not dating one. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Ladies and gentlemen, that's in the same chapter. So a person can just decide to stay on, if you claim to without sin, then you're making God to be a liar. Then they just, they didn't go on to read the same letter. That shows you that we can graduate to a higher place. Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, why, would I, why was I feeding myself with this? And why do I constantly do that? Because if the word of God doesn't challenge me to live a better life, if the word of God doesn't challenge me, we'll start delivering each other. I, you know, you have to read the word and say, you know, there are times you have to read the scriptures and say, is this possible? And then you hear a voice say, with man, this thing is not possible, but with God, all things are possible. Otherwise, there would be no need for grace. As in, there are times you have to read the Bible and wonder, saying, hmm, am I born again? <laughs> like, after you read it, you just go, oh, the overwhelming. <laughs> but what I'm, now, let me, um, somebody would say, pastor, but I've seen Christians sinning, then they're out of character. Then it's the same as saying, I saw a man barking. That doesn't make him a dog. And that doesn't mean we should change. That doesn't mean we should change the concept for all men. I can give you another example. I was thinking of an example just now, and I thought of this. Uh, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, I get to interact with a lot of people in the medical field. Because for some reason, I passed by a lot of them. I don't know, I don't know who unlocked that door. <laughs> I think it was a period when, with WEM, when um, I think because of David, Dr. David Fungo, if I remember well, because he was amongst us and he was at Apex, it meant automatically Apex became hunting ground. So... <laughs> For some reason, I hang out with a lot of, a lot of them. They are very patient people. That's why they treat patients. So now, <laughs> if I was to use that field as an example, if you met a well-seasoned, well-trained medical professional who cannot properly cannulate someone, I think you would be shocked because they're supposed to be well seasoned and well trained. In short, now to get them to that place, then it means I've never been in their classes, but I, I don't think you would enter class the first time and you're told it's okay sometimes to wrongly cannulate a person. <laughs> 
I think the lesson will go like, he that is a doctor cannot wrongly calculate. Meaning you are challenging them to that standard of perfection. And the same can be applied to so many other fields. Ladies and gentlemen, I've not yet gotten to point number one. Maybe I'll get to it next week. But my point today, my point today was Titus 2, verse 11, which I understand yet again. I had a vision before the service. Interestingly, I wasn't even going to minister today, but I had a vision, which when I discussed with my wife, caused me to minister. In the vision, I was looking at a number of people who were starting out in their faith, and they needed this sermon. Then as I was studying it, I realized I also needed this sermon. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to you. But beyond that, ladies and gentlemen, it teaches you that you can live a godly life. My friend, you can live a godly life in that company. You can live a godly life in these streets of Osaka. No matter how wild it is in these streets, you can live a godly life at that university of yours. You can live a godly life in those boarding houses of yours. You can live a godly life in your own home. You can live a godly life. But it's not in your own strength or in your own might or in your own power. It's by the grace of God. I remember grace must be cooperated with. Grace must be talked about. Remember it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. It must be talked about. It must be cooperated with. Next week, I'll give you a few pointers. No, not next week. The other week. Next week, we're dealing with the mountains of influence, right? Wait, do you guys know that? If next week, Monday, we've got a Zoom meeting. Tuesday, we've got a Zoom meeting. Wednesday, we've got a service. Thursday, we've got a Zoom meeting. Friday, we've got a Zoom meeting. If I've not finished Saturday, either we've got a Zoom meeting or Tambabola, Sunday, we're finishing off. Sunday, we're having professional Sunday. So I'll continue this. But have you been blessed? Yes. Uh-huh. Has the word of God challenged you? Has it shown you what you have inside? Has it challenged you that you can do better? That you can grow more? That you can increase? Okay. Then get up to your feet and declare after me. Before the declaration, just to ensure that no one is declaring the wrong thing, we need to find out, is everybody here born again? Now, two tests you can do to yourself to know if you're born again. Number one, it's by being able to tell if you're ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Like if Apostles, we are just about to step out, we just see a lake, boom, the Lord Jesus has come. Are you confident you would make it to heaven? Or are there one or two challenges? That's number one. Another one, which is the most, the Holy Spirit witnesses in your heart. You know if you're saved. Okay? You know if you're saved. And the unfortunate thing is this. Before, the fortunate and 
When I say unfortunate, that's for the person who doesn't choose to be saved. Before the grace trains us to deny ungodliness, the grace first brings salvation. Before the woman is taught, go and sin no more, she's first taught, I do not condemn you. Meaning, until you come to that place of salvation, you don't have access to that grace. So you can find you keep trying to change, keep trying, but you're not changing, you're just starting and stopping because you've not yet confessed the Lord Jesus as your Lord. So is anyone, is anyone here who's ready for that and you're willing to stand before us all and confess Jesus to be your Lord? If that's you, raise your hand. I don't have much time, so you'd have to do it fast. Anyone? I'll give you a minute. at your faces to see who's doubting. <laughs> it's serious business. Anyone who's not saved here who needs to get born again. Wonderful. Come please. Come please. She raised her hand. Cassandra, would you find out if that's the auto copy? Is there anybody else? Okay. Anybody else? For some it could be a restoration. Perhaps you made this decision some time back, but you've fallen off the track. And perhaps you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Is there anyone in that category? Raise your hand, please. Or in my earlier example, anyone who needs to rededicate their life to the Lord? Are we good? Wonderful. You're welcome. Say after me, those who are watching who made this decision, say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and I confess you as my Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to those who are watching online. Congratulations to those who are secretly saying the prayer but they want to come in front. If you are secretly saying the prayer but you want to come in front, kindly find yourself in the group so that we teach you as well. Okay? <laughs> God bless you. I want everyone to say after me. Say in the name of Jesus. The grace of God is working in my life. That grace is influencing my mindset, my perspective, my attitude, my, attitude, my, thoughts, my thoughts, my actions. My actions. So by the grace of God, I deny all form of ungodliness. You have no place in my life. You have no power in my life. Say, so by the grace of God, I live soberly. I live uprightly. In this present age, in this present age. Now, to him now to him who is able, who is able to, keep me to keep me from falling, from falling. I, submit myself. I submit myself. Amen. 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 We can give our offerings and say the grace. Can I say one was powerful? What do you think?
Well, almost thinking about it, you know. It was challenging even for me. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Let's give our offerings, please. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. My body won't be Satan's playground. Make sure I see after service. Yeah, she came down to my office. My mind is not Satan's playground. For this reason, the Son of God was made manifest to destroy his works. Some of us, those are the things we may have to start confessing for a moment. If you've been having trouble with your mind, you confess it. My mind is not Satan's playground. It's sanctified and holy. And for this cause, the Son of God was made manifest. That even though I had exposed myself to all sorts of things, it's been destroyed by the power of God. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Hey! Hey! I've just thought of something. No, it's not for you. It's an idea for the church. What we'll do, we'll treat, uh, okay, we'll do a training session on it. So we need to give people a slight break, then they are the after the break, we've got end of month, end of quarter reports and analysis. So maybe just before Easter period, because we've also got something all week, we can just have a one day while we teach it. And after we teach it, we also introduce it to a new crop of orientation to be part of orientation. Amazing grace, everyone. Amazing grace, our Lord Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. And with us all, truth, goodness, and mercy. For the days of our life, and dwell in the house of the Lord. the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0 If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.